0: beginning in the 10th verse and reading through the 22nd verse 1st Chronicles 29:10 through 22 Let us give careful attention to the public reading of God's word Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly and David said blessed are you O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding." O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things, and now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers. Keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. Grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart, that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, performing all, and that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. Then David said to all the assembly, Bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed their heads and paid homage to the Lord and to the king. And they offered sacrifices to the Lord. And on the next day they offered burnt offerings to the Lord, 1,000 bulls, 1,000 rams, and 1,000 lambs with their drink offerings and sacrifices in abundance for all Israel. And they ate and drank before the Lord on that day with great gladness let's pray blessed are you o lord our god king of the universe we pray that you would now by your spirit sweeten your words in our mouths and in our hearts that we might grow in our knowledge of you and ourselves and the world that you have made that we might in the coming week enjoy more the calling that you have given to us and that we might honor you more in the process we pray in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Translations are uh, interesting. Uh, Let's see what translations we have out here this morning. I read from the ESV. Uh, Anybody have an ESV out there? We have a couple of ESVs. Uh, Let me guess that the majority of us who have a Bible this morning have an NIV. How many NIVs out there? Oh, it doesn't look like this side carried many Bibles this morning. Uh, would we have any uh, new American standards? Uh, there we go. Uh, let's see. New Living Translation. I-, I worked on the New Living Translation. I hope there's at least one. Well, I have. No, I don't. I was going to say I have one on my poem Pilot, but that's an older one. Uh, king James. Does some, somebody, somebody has the king here. Very good. New King James. Uh, so we have a variety of translations. Oh, the new, well, the new Revised Standard and the ESV, while they're different, they, they're children of the same parent. They both come from the, uh, the old RSV. Um, you know, had I asked this question when I was this young fellow's age in the church that I grew up in, there would have been only one answer. King James that that's all there was when uh, I I know I don't look that old but uh back in my day when I was growing up that's pretty much all there was I I remember when I went to this newfangled New American Standard Bible uh I remember when that was brand new I ha- I can picture my first one it was orange and it was a um it was a paperback uh, translations are very interesting. Uh, they can present a little bit of a problem. For example, I'm reading the ESV this morning, and if I read in Genesis 1.28, it says, God blessed them and said, and if I read in Psalm 1, it says, blessed is the man who, and there's a problem there. The problem is we have the exact same word in English, B-L-E-S-S-E-D, in both texts, but in Hebrew, we have two entirely different words. So translation is a little bit tricky. On the other hand, if I'm using the New uh, the NIV, for example, and I'm reading in Genesis 128, it says, God blessed them and said, B-L-E-S-S-E-D. But when I go over to a psalm like we read in the liturgy this morning, Psalm 103, uh, the New International says, uh, um, praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, praise His holy name. And now we have a reverse problem, because in the NIV we have two different English words, but what do we have if we're reading in Hebrew? Oh, somebody guess, even if you don't know a lick of Hebrew. You only have one word. So sometimes you have same word in English, but different words in Hebrew. Sometimes you have different words in English, but the same word in Hebrew. Solution? Come to Orlando and learn Hebrew with me. That's right. right. But we're not going to do that this afternoon. Uh, Now, the Psalm 1, blessed is the man who, that Hebrew word, we're putting that on the shelf. We're not interested in that. We are interested in the word in Genesis 128, God blessed them and said, which is the same word in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. We want to talk about the language of blessing this morning. Uh, and those two texts are different because in the first one, God is blessing us. God blessed them and said. But in the second one, we're blessing God. Bless the Lord. Exact same word in Hebrew. Um, and we want to look at the, those two uses and, in fact, how they're connected with each other. I've been thinking about these things for some time. Uh, I follow a number of blogs. Anybody follow any blogs out there? I follow a number of blogs, and I follow about a half a dozen blogs that deal with Hebrew kind of stuff. And on one of these blogs, there was a fellow who posted a piyut. That's kind of a, a medieval Hebrew religious poem. And he was talking about the, the beauty of the language and... Um, Hebrews my area of expertise, but my expertise is really in old, old Hebrew, not in Hebrew of, say, Jesus' day. That, that's modern for me, uh, and certainly not later on in the Middle Ages. But this fellow's blog caught my attention, and I thought, well, I want to read that level of Hebrew. Uh, some later, you know, first, second, third, fourth century Hebrew, so I thought, well, what better way than to go and get a synagogue prayer book because a lot of the prayers in the synagogue prayer book go back to the early centuries. And um, so I, was, I started to read these prayers primarily because I was interested in the Hebrew, but then all of a sudden the prayers themselves caught my attention. And I was struck by how many of these prayers start, Baruch Atah, Blessed Are You. These prayers consistently start by blessing God. And then I began to say to myself, I wonder where this comes from. This idea of saying, blessed are you, as a a way of opening prayer. And I said, if it's Jewish tradition, I wonder if it's rooted more deeply in the Hebrew Bible. And so I started to study this language of our blessing God, Uh, in the Hebrew Bible, and we read that from our text in Chronicles, Uh, but it comes from the, um, the, the book of Psalms as well. For example, the book of Psalms is broken into five books, and at the end of book one, book two, book three, book four, this is what we read. Psalm 41, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, amen and amen. Psalm 72, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Psalm 89, blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Psalm 106, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say amen. Praise the Lord. So the book of Psalms is punctuated with this language of blessing God in prayer. And by the way, if you're reading the NIV, all of those would be praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We'll eventually get to why the NIV goes that direction, what its strength and what its weakness is. What we want to do this morning is just really look at one word in Hebrew. And although it comes kind of in a variety of shapes and sizes, I'm just going to use the word Baruch as the general Hebrew word. It's a it's a Hebrew name. And it's the way these prayers often start, Baruch Atah, blessed are you, Adonai Eloheinu, O Lord our God, Melchizedek, uh, King of the universe. Uh, two times ago when I was here, we studied just one verse. Last week when I was here, we studied just one book. We studied the whole book of Job. So we're going to do something different this morning. Although I read from Chronicles, that's not really my text. Um, it's a starting point. My text is really this one Hebrew word, uh, bless, and what it means. First of all, what does it mean when, when God from above blesses us? And then what does it mean when we bless God? So this isn't a typical Presbyterian sermon, because Presbyterians are supposed to have three points, uh, but I only have two this morning. So we're going to look at what it means when God blesses us, and then what it means when we bless God. You with me? Okay, first of all, when God blesses us. Uh, This is a word that we use in English, uh, in kind of religious speech. Uh, We say, man, I, I am really blessed. Uh, we use this kind of language in speaking of of what we have received from God. If I were to give you one English word, you're driving home from church, you're stopped at a red light, it's not too terribly hot, so your window's down, somebody beside you rolls their window down and say, they say, I've been wondering, uh, the word blessed, when God blesses us can you tell me what that means with just one word? And you'll say, well, sure I can. I've just been thinking about that myself today. Uh, and here's the word you're going to give them. You're going to say that the best English word for the Hebrew word that is translated bless is the word empower. When God blesses us, He in effect is empowering us. He is empowering us for success. He is empowering us for prosperity Uh, There's a new child on the way. The Hebrew Bible says that's being blessed. God has empowered a couple to conceive a child. Uh, Empowered for long life. uh, Empowered for um, anything that we do. When God blesses us, in short, what God is doing is He is empowering us. Now let's turn back to the book of Genesis for a moment. Because this is the major theme In the book of Genesis. This word for bless occurs in the book of Genesis 88 times. Now, when you were taught how to write an essay, your English teacher no doubt taught you to do something with your vocabulary that starts with a V. V V-A-R. Vary your vocabulary or your writing will be boring. Well, Hebrew teachers taught their students something else. Hebrew teachers taught their students, if you're writing a Hebrew essay, repeat your vocabulary. Because if you repeat your vocabulary, your readers will get the, they'll get the point. They'll get the message. And so the repetition of vocabulary is a key uh, literary technique in Hebrew. And the word for bless occurs 88 times in the book of Genesis. It must be an important theme in the book. And when we look at all the places where God is blessing people in the Old Testament, He's empowering them to do all sorts of things, but two things in particular. when we put, If we were to take all the places in Genesis where God blesses people and put them in manila folders, there would be two folders that would have the most occurrences. And the first one is what we've already spoken of. When God blesses people in the Old Testament, He empowers them to produce children. Uh, There are three little ones sitting up in the front row. Um, Two awake, one just lovely asleep. That in the Old Testament is the blessing of God. Uh, The reason why you have these three children here in the language of the Old Testament, God has blessed you. He has empowered you to produce these children. That's predominantly what's going on in the book of Genesis. Let's look at one example Genesis chapter 17 and verse 16. I could multiply examples. For time's sake, I'm only going to give you one. Genesis 17, 16. There God says to Abram about Sarai, I will bless her. Well, I wonder what he means by that. Maybe if we keep reading, we'll find out what he means by I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a... Son by her. I will bless her and she will become nations. Kings of people will come from her. Just one example. To bless is to give a son. To bless is to empower, to produce children. Remember our manila envelopes? What would be in the second most full manila envelope? Right after the power to produce children is the power to produce wealth. Uh, and the more children you produce, the more the more wealth you need. Okay. Let's look at one, let's look at one example, Genesis 24, 35. Genesis 2435. Uh, this is Abraham's servant speaking. And in verse 34, he says, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master. Now, I wonder what he means by saying the Lord has blessed my master. Well, maybe if we keep reading, we'll find out specifically what he has in mind. He says, and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys, He has blessed him materially. He has empowered him to produce wealth. And again, we could multiply examples, but we've seen just to say that in the book of Genesis in particular, but elsewhere in the Bible, in the Old Testament, when God blesses, he empowers people to experience what the New Testament calls the abundant life that Jesus came to give that Jesus came to bring. But in particular, He empowers people to produce children and He empowers people to produce wealth. Now, that is not an exhaustive list. It's only an exemplary list. The point is that when God blesses, He is empowering you. He's empowering you to do whatever it is that He has called you to do. Where Does anybody need any power this morning in any facet of your life what you need is the blessing of God. What you need is the blessing of God, the empowerment, the putting of power in you to do whatever it is that lies ahead in the coming week. That's the blessing of God. How many of you need some, um, some, just some plain old strength to, to make it through the next five days because maybe you're tired? Exhausted and, and you just, you just need strength to do the next thing. That, what you need is the blessing of God. You need God to empower you to do whatever it is that lies ahead of you. What does it mean when God blesses us? What's the one word? Give it to me in English. Empower. When God blesses, He empowers. So that when we go back to Genesis, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, uh, he's not so much giving us a command to be fruitful and multiply. That's going to happen naturally. You know, we don't have to be commanded. He's empowering us. It is a command in Hebrew, but we use, we use commands in English for things other than telling somebody what to do. For example, um, have you ever had a sick friend and you said to them, get well soon? Were you really commanding them? You better get well or else. Or how about how many of you have ever said, have a nice day? Well, realize in English, that's an imperative. That's a command, but you're not really ordering them to have a nice day. We use imperatives in English for things other than giving commands, and so does Hebrew. When, when, Genesis, when God says, be fruitful and multiply, He's empowering the human race with fecundity, was that was that blessing effective? It's about over 6 billion worth of effective at this point in earth's history. God spoke a, an empowering word when He said, Be fruitful and multiply. So when God blesses, He empowers. Now let's flip that coin over. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Blessed are You, O Lord our God, from everlasting to everlasting. May the whole earth be filled with Your glory. Amen and Amen. When we're reading a translation like the New King James, or the King James, or the NASB, or the ESV, not the NLT, not the NIV, we're going to read a lot of, Blessed are You. Bless the Lord, O my soul. What does that mean? If to bless means empower... For an abundant life, are we empowering God to experience an abundant life? Are we empowering God for success, for fecundity, for longevity? Probably not. There's something else going on, but it is related. What does it mean when we bless God? It means this. Attribute. That's our one word. When we bless God, what we are doing is we are attributing. Now, what are we attributing? We are attributing all of the blessings that we have received. And to whom are we attributing all of these blessings that we have received? We are attributing these blessings to God. To bless God is to simply acknowledge that all that we are and that all that we have comes from God. That was in the Scripture reading when David was praying And he was saying, Lord, who am I and who are my people that we should build you this fabulous home to live in called the temple? After all, everything that we have given you is simply stuff that you already own and you have given to us and we're just giving it back. It's all yours. Anyhow, David is saying all that we have given, all that we are, all that we do comes from you. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light, says the New Testament, in whom there is not a shadow of turning. When we bless God, we are attributing all of the blessings that we have to God. For example, Genesis chapter 14 and verse 20. Genesis 14, 20. Uh, Beginning in verse 19... This is speaking of this um, somewhat mysterious figure in the Old Testament, this priest named Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is here blessing Abraham. And Melchizedek blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Abraham, you have been blessed. Now, the way Abraham was blessed was that he won a military victory against these kings that had conquered some other cities and taken Lot and Lot's family captive. And so he was saying, God, Abram, you have been empowered by God to win this military victory that you just won. And then he says, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hands. Abram, you've been blessed. You've been empowered to win this military victory. And now what do we do? We bless God. We acknowledge that this blessing that you have received did not come from you yourself, but that this came from God himself. And that is what Psalm 103 is doing uh, when we read in the ESV, for example, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then the psalmist begins to, in the language of the old hymn, count his many blessings, naming them one by one. Counting his many blessings, seeing what seeing what God has done. What the psalmist does is count his blessings and doesn't simply say, wow, I am blessed. He then says, bless the Lord because I am blessed. As a Hebrew scholar and a translator, sometimes people ask me, what's the best translation? It's a question that I get frequently. And folks are at times surprised by my answer. What's the best translation? Here's my reverse question What's the best tool? A hammer or a saw? And what's the answer? It depends on what you want to do with it. Now, I'm the son of a cabinet maker. So I know that if you have a 2 before in front of you and a hammer, you can get that 2 before into two pieces with the hammer. Uh, it might not be the cleanest cut, but you can do it, yes? And I also know that if you have a traditional hand saw and you need to drive a nail, you could drive at least a moderate-sized nail with the handle of a saw. But it wouldn't be very good for the handle of the saw, and it would take an inordinate amount of time. Because that's not what a saw is made for, and that's not what a hammer is made for. And the same thing is true with regard to translations. Let's take the ESV, for example, and the New Living Translation. People ask me, which is the better translation? And I say, which is better, a hammer or a saw? Because what the ESV intends to do is mimic as closely as it can the Hebrew and Greek text that underlies it. But to do so, the ESV inevitably inevitably produces a translation that is very rough English. It's not the way we speak English. So the good thing is it mimics the text. The bad thing is it doesn't always communicate very well and very clearly. On the other hand, the New Living Translation is the best English translation there is when it comes to communicating in the same language that you use when you're talking to somebody in the grocery line. The downside is it strays from this wooden connection with the Greek and Hebrew text. So which is better? It all depends on what you want to do. If you want to do close study of the Bible, which one are you going to use? The ESV. If you want to give a Bible to somebody that's never read the Bible before, which one do you want to give them? The NLT. Because if you give them the ESV, they're going to say, God doesn't speak English. This doesn't, it's just, it's odd. Uh, Or if you want to sit down and read the whole book of Job in one sitting, use the New Living Translation. You're going to understand it, it's going to flow. So they're both good, but they're both good at doing different things. And by choosing to do one thing well, by definition, you're choosing to do something else not quite so well. Now, why do I say all of this? Let's look at the ESV at Psalm 103 and the NIV. The ESV says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. What's good about that? What's good about it is it's it's reflecting what's in the Hebrew underneath. When God blesses us, it's Baruch. When we bless God, it's Baruch. And by keeping the same English word, you are keeping the theological connection between God blessing you and your response to bless God. That's good. The downside is we don't use bless the Lord uh, outside of Christian circles in that way at all. You'll, You'll never hear anybody saying it in a grocery line. It's not common English anymore. Um, What about the NIV? Here's what the NIV does with Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, praise His holy name. Now, what's good about that? What's good about that is that's ordinary English. That's the way we speak. What's the downside? Oops, we've lost the connection between praising God and being blessed by God. The Lord has blessed me. Praise the Lord. Uh, There's a loss of connection there between the two. So which one is good? They are both good, but they're both good at doing something different. I often preach out of the NIV. This morning I chose the ESV intentionally because the ESV keeps this connection between God blessing us and our blessing God in return. And that is a crucial connection. Whatever the word is that we choose to use, that's a crucial connection that we need to maintain in our hearts and in our minds. We are a people who are truly blessed by God. Glenn mentioned in his prayer the experience of believers in other parts of the world. As American Christians, we are blessed. And it is incumbent upon us to count our blessings and not only count our blessings, but in response to all of those blessings, to remember to to bless God. Uh, Let's go in conclusion to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Remember, fundamentally in, in in the first five books of the Bible in particular, to bless is to empower to produce children and to empower to produce wealth. And sometimes the latter makes us a little bit nervous. We're not always sure how to handle that. We know one way to handle our wealth, and that is to feel guilty. Um, especially when we think about people who don't have what we have. But God doesn't bless us in order to make us feel guilty. Remember Paul teaching Timothy. Paul says, Timothy, teach those who are rich in this world not to put their hope in riches which are so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly gives us everything so that we can feel guilty about having it. Now, you know your Bible too well, don't you? Who richly gives us everything for our enjoyment. Uh, God has blessed you, in, in, and, and we're all blessed materially in different ways in this room, but to whatever degree God has blessed you materially, one of the reasons God has blessed you materially is so that you can, so that you can enjoy it. You don't have to feel guilty about enjoying it. Paul does go on to say, and teach them to be generous and willing to share. See that beautiful biblical balance? It's not either divest yourself of it or Um, just use it all for yourself. It's enjoy it and share it. Beautiful biblical balance. Um, So let's look at how Deuteronomy handles this. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning in verse 7, Moses is giving instruction to the people of God about what life is going to be like in the land and how they need to handle that because God's going to do a B word on them when they get in the land. And what's that B word? He's going to bless them. And so Moses wants to prepare his people for how to experience that blessing in a wholesome and a healthy way. And so, Deuteronomy 8, 7, "...for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates." a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. Now, the B word never occurred. But we don't have to have the word to have the concept. Moses is saying, when you get into the land, God is going to bless you. He's going to bless you richly. Now, verse 11. out of the house of slavery. And we drop down to verse 17. Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of My hand have gotten Me all this wealth. Or give me a B word for that. All this blessing. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power. and power. Give me the B word. It's He who blesses you to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant as He swore to your fathers as it is this day. So, Moses says, God's going to bring you into the land and He's going to bless you richly. And He's then Moses says two things. Don't forget God. Put it the other way, remember God. When, when you are blessed, don't forget God and say, look at my power and my strength that has enabled me to do and to have and to be. But remember God, because it's God who empowers you to produce all this wealth. Now, what is the key? If I could give you just one key to keep you from forgetting God in your blessing, to keep you always remembering God, in your blessing. If I could give you one key, what might that key be? Oh, a little hint. Starts with a B. Bless. That's exactly right. Because the astute listener out there realizes that I skipped over a pretty important verse. I skipped over verse 10. After all of those blessings, in verse 10, it says, And you shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. There is the key. What is the key to maintaining a biblical balance of 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 enjoying and sharing all of the blessing that God gives to you, whether it's in the form of material or whether it's in the form of children or whether it's in the form of being able to play a musical instrument or succeed in athletics or do well in school or get your first job and hold on to it, Uh, no matter what it is, in, in whatever way God blesses you, what is the key to enjoying that and being generous and willing to share it with others. The key is in whatever way God blesses you, for you to always bless God. And hence the genius of the synagogue prayer book that starts many, many prayers with these simple words, Blessed are you. Not you, but you. Oh, yes, you. But because God has blessed you, you bless God. And I guarantee you that if you count your blessings and you name them one by one and you are mindful to always bless God for the blessings that He has given you, no matter how profusely He blesses you, you will never forget Him. Because in the act of blessing, you are remembering that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is not a shadow of turning. And if we have any doubts about that, we need only look to the ultimate blessing that God has given to us. In the sending of his Son, who lived a perfect life of righteousness in our place and died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, who was raised from the dead so that we can have a right relationship with the Father, who ascended to the Father's right hand when he poured out the Spirit as the first fruits, as the down payment of all of the abundance of heaven. Jesus has secured all of the blessings of heaven. And Jesus has invited you to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as God brings more and more of those heavenly blessings into your lives, remember, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. And blessed be His glorious name, Forever, may the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the invitation to study Your Word today. Uh, We thank You for, uh, in this Word, showing how ready You are to bless us. And in this Word, instructing us to remember that all the blessings we have come from you, and to remember that by blessing you. So, Holy Spirit, make us mindful of this teaching, and throughout this day, and in the coming week, and all the days of our lives, may we be children who ever bless you for all of the blessings that we have received from you. We pray in Jesus' name, the ultimate blessing. Amen.